I'll just see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. Yes, very thankful to Kellen Olsen that he is joining us today. And I'm just going to start this segment right here, Wolf, with uh, with Kellen's tweet from yesterday afternoon. Trying okay. to just kind of put everything back in perspective for us. I assume if you if you are a Phoenix Suns fan, you're following Kellen Olsen on Twitter. Uh, but if you're not, you should. And he tweeted this out yesterday, right around 4.50 after all the Chris Haynes stuff. Phoenix Suns confirmed that Chris Paul has not been waived. In addition, sources confirm the Suns are exploring multiple avenues for Paul's future. That's from Kellen. I don't have to read any more of Kellen's tweets because Kellen's right here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, what's going on, man? Hey, I, I did tweet that. That was me. Hey. Do you want us to do a, a dramatic reading of your tweets every time we have you on the show? No. Okay. That's- Killer, are, are you tired right now? You sound a little tired. Are you tired? Oh, if I sound tired, that's a mistake, Wolf. I feel electric and amazing as always. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Help me out here. Help me understand what are the options with this Chris Paul help affair. Help me help Wolf. Right. Uh, number one, he stays. Now, that just uh, he stays and, and gets his full $30.8 million. I feel like that's the most unlikely scenario of them all right now. Uh, and, and the reason being is that only $15.8 million of that contract is guaranteed. The Suns have until June 28th to decide if that's going to become guaranteed or not. If they do not with that fully guarantee, they can waive him. Now, if they just waive him, uh, they can bring him back and re-sign him. That is actually allowed. With that, they would be opening up their taxpayer mid-level exception, which is a contract of $5 billion that you can hand out in free agency. The subs would not have access to that if he just stayed around. By waiving him, they create enough room to have that mechanism at their disposal. Now, they could waive him and then stretch his contract, and he could not resign. That is the caveat there. But the benefit there is they open up even more cap space, and what they do there is that they technically don't open up more cap space, but they, they uh, shave some money, and by doing that, they get their full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is a contract worth a little over $12 million a year. So we're going from talking about $5 million for like a 7th, 8th, ninth man to money that you could pay to a, a, a legitimate starter on your team. In addition, they would get their biennial exception, which is around $4.5 million. So it's kind of in the same range of the taxpayer mid-level exception. So you'd have more utility and freedom and free agency and just more avenues to add more players to your team. The other option is trade, and, and maybe that's the most unlikely one because I'm sure any team that was thinking about trading for Chris Paul, if there were any, after yesterday's news, like, wait, they're probably just going to waive him, so we're, we're not going to give you anything. We could get this guy for – we don't have to give up assets for him probably, so we're going we're gonna to chill. Uh, so, so those are the four main options we're looking at, and these are things that we've been looking at now for a couple of weeks at this point, ever since the offseason came up, ever since – really Chris signed that contract, we kind of knew that this kind of thing was a possibility, but uh, sure got brought to the forefront yesterday, huh? Yes. Yes, it did. We're talking to Kellen Olson. Kellen, I'm just going to try and navigate this in very simple terms. Is it fair to say if they don't stretch and wave him and they don't trade him, that on some level they want him back? Like, What, what do you think the Suns, in a, in a perfect world, how they want this play uh, to play out? Oh, man. In, in a perfect world, I think that they want the best team possible to win a championship. And I think that's the entire 
problem here because I think they're on, on some level, I'm sure it's the minority, but I'm sure there are some people being like, well, why would you get rid of Chris Paul? Why would you get rid of DeAndre Aiden? You have Kevin Durant and Booker. You seem to add a couple more guys around them, and then you're good. But the problem is if they keep those four guys, they can only sign players to the veterans minimum. And in terms of tradable contracts, the only person they have on a fully guaranteed deal for next year is Landry Shamit. And you're not going to be able to trade Landry Shamit for anything of value unless you attach picks to him. And you only have second-round picks. You don't have any first-rounders left to trade. You gave up all those for Kevin Durant. So in order for them to improve their roster significantly, because look, you can't, we, we just saw this, right? We saw them have a roster that went really like three, three and a half, four, four and a half, deep, whatever you want to call it. Like finding those fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth contributors was a huge problem for them all year. So in order for them to be able to do that and free it up, they'll have to look into trading or waving Chris. They'll have to look into trading DeAndre. And this just goes beyond the fact of us looking at this team and how it's ended the last two seasons and probably agreeing that they need to change something here and then move on from at least one of those guys, maybe both of them, with how the last two seasons have ended. But the difficulty inside of all of that is that it is extremely unlikely they're going to move on from Chris Paul and replace him with someone as good or better than him. It is extremely unlikely they're going to move on from DeAndre and get some, someone as good as or as better as him. But can they get someone who fits better? Can they get a couple of guys who round up their roster better and you make up for it by having a little bit more depth this year. I think that is possible, but it's extremely difficult. And and I think this is something that we've been, again, focusing on and analyzing with a couple of weeks. But if, if you weren't aware of like the, the, the big, bad, spooky thing lurking deep in the water, it's come to the surface right now. You know, Killer, once again, I don't expect you to be capable of speaking for Chris Paul. Understand that. But if you were Chris Paul and you're looking at your options out there, what do you think CP3 would want to do? Okay, I will go off the basis of what we know he wants. I think that his family is extremely important to him. He has made that known. His family resides in Los Angeles, and part of the appeal for him to be in Phoenix along with playing for Monty Williams, playing with Devin Booker, was being close to his family. So if we're looking at the realistic possibilities in the same time zone as L.A., we're looking at L.A., uh, we're looking at the Clippers and the Lakers, who could potentially have openings at point guard. Now, the Clippers should probably want to bring back Russell Westbrook after how well that went. Lakers are sure going to have an opening at point guard, potentially. That's an interesting one. And then there's the Suns as well. But then outside of that, I'm not really sure if we can realistically talk about any other teams. And and that's where you have to ask yourself, okay, if the Suns do waive Chris, would he be willing to take on the veterans minimum to go somewhere and get his absolute best shot at a title? Because let's say his, his biggest value by far, and like the number one thing that he's valuing over anything else is just to win his first championship. If that's the case, then he should consider taking three or four million dollars and playing for Milwaukee or Boston or one of those teams. Like, could you match him on Milwaukee playing in a backcourt with Drew Holiday, running ball screens with Giannis or, or Brooke Lopez? Like, he would be <laughs> he would be electric there. Like that that would be terrifying for defenses to to counter. But with that in mind, I do think that really this doesn't go beyond the West Coast, and it just really comes down to if they can figure out something amicable for the Suns. I think that one huge factor in this is that. The Lakers are in a position where they have so many expiring contracts right now that they would be able to offer Chris Paul that mid-level. So you're talking about a, a, a difference of Chris Paul almost getting offered, or I think just about getting offered four times as much money by the Lakers. If the Suns waive him and want to bring him back on the veterans minimum, 
if that's one of the options being discussed or it's wave and stretch him and he's looking at the veterans minimum or the mid-level, the mid-level could happen to come from the one team that fits the best anyway. So I, that's something to consider for him for sure. Talking to Kellen Olson, Kellen, in your story, you, you wrote that uh, the exact line is Chris Paul accepting the veterans minimum from the Suns without at least hearing from other teams would uh, would be an insane amount of loyalty. And I agree. <laughs> so are they banking on that, the Suns? I mean, is it fair to say after yesterday that the Suns and Chris Paul maybe aren't on the exact same page right now? Because this doesn't feel like a unified front to just wave him and then he immediately comes back. Yeah, if we want to read the tea leaves at all, which is going to make my head spin and make me want to throw things again after the way yesterday went, but I'll I'll give it my best shot. It doesn't seem like Chris Paul's camp was receptive to those meetings, right? Like, why else would this stuff kind of come out right now? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem like things were heading in a positive direction with the way that things broke yesterday and how this news, again, like kind of rose to the surface when we kind of all knew what was happening down there? Uh, remind me of your question again, Luke. Sorry, I got space from it. Well, that, that was that was sort of it. I mean, just in your story that that Paul coming back to the Suns without hearing from other teams would be a, a really loyal move, and just the way it played out yesterday, that sort of seems like Chris Paul and the Suns would need to be on the exact same page for that to work, and maybe they aren't right now. Yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to the, the Four Point Play newsletter. It's written by a Suns fan named David from Australia, who's done terrific work on Twitter for a number of years. I'm sure a, a few people listening at least follow his stuff and his great work. And when Chris signed this deal originally, it was a four year deal worth up to 120 million dollars. But he uh, prophesied, quite honestly, that in, in the third year of this deal, where it's partially guaranteed, and then with that complete non guarantee next year there's a potential for this to be uh, this sort of thing where you get this 15.8 million dollars we let you go we bring you back on three million so like in essence you're getting 18.8 million dollars from us but you're going to be on a salary of three million dollars and that's basically was their way of kind of meeting the middle ground on him when we were talking about those contract extensions two years ago because i remember you guys remember when that contract first came out we were like four years 120 million dollars isn't he 34 35 years old but then the details came out the non-guarantee started to come in and it made a whole lot more sense i think that was the middle ground for the two of them so i do think that there's a there's a possibility and it's not insane to suggest that yes, this has kind of been the plan all along and that Chris was going to get waived and that he was going to get brought back on the veterans minimum. But if I'm Chris Paul and I become a free agent, I want to hear what other teams have to say. Yeah. You know, like even if that was the agreement, I, I still want to hear what other teams have to say. I mentioned like just after that in that column that he was bringing up past experiences in the league where he's been told things from teams and they've burnt him before. Like you got to look out for yourself in these kinds of situations and he should hear what other teams have to say in this situation for sure. Kellen, we're going to keep you around for one more segment. That cool? Yep. All right. Kellen Olson's going to stick around to take us through the uh, rest of the uh, the Suns offseason, including Chris Paul, but also beyond. That's next. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, more Kellen Olson. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. <laughs> Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olson, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. And it's very thankful to Kellen Olson for sticking around for two segments here this morning. I, I, Kellen, I know you didn't expect a quiet offseason, but when you see stuff like that Chris Haynes tweet, do you just assume you're going to get a bunch of calls from us the next day? Uh, No. 
but you know, ready for anything. But, but here we are. Uh, all right, so let's um, let's pick it back up here with Chris Paul in terms of just the way big picture this offseason is going to play out. There's a lot of unknowns, but pretty clearly Chris Paul and or DeAndre Ayton were going to be the first two dominoes. Um, how much does what happens with Chris Paul impact him and then just everything else going forward after that? Yeah, it, it might be intertwined. That's the interesting part is, is figuring out how to get their ducks in a row. I'm not sure it can specifically go in order. It's more of just what happens first because I think that this is multifaceted. I think that this plan has been really months in the making for them and years in the making, if we're being honest. And once DeAndre was brought back last summer, they were going to run into this type of position eventually where – not that they were going to have to pick, but they were going to get to a point where spending all of this money on this, these levels of players, there was going to have to be some level of choice or commitment. And with the way the last two playoff exits have gone, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be more of the choice and moving on from certain players because the numbers were just going to start to get too high. Like even after the Kevin Durant trade, and even that, even then, like the Durant trade more than solidified it because Cam Johnson had a payday coming up. So now the Suns have been ready for this and they know kind of what's happening. And I'm sure that they have a lot of names in mind that they could go after in free agency if they decide to go that route. And I'm sure that they have a number of suitors lined up in trades for guys like Chris Paul and guys like DeAndre. And like these, it wasn't exactly breaking news yesterday to hear that they've been exploring trade options for those two guys. Like you, you would hope they would be with the current situation that they're in. So it's just a matter of how, how they can thread this needle. And, and it's never going to be perfect in the NBA because you just have too many, uh, extrapolating factors. There's just too many different variables going on at once that you can't juggle all of them at once and hope that everything happens together like that. But uh, they're going to have to try and do their best here because I, I think that one thing's for sure, like they just can't bring back these four guys and sign a bunch of guys on the veterans minimum. Like I don't think that's going to be a good enough team to win the title next year. You know, from the perspective of both established teams, teams that are playoff ready, of course, and building teams as well. What do you think the interest for Chris Paul will be, Killer? I think it'll be very high, and it depends exactly on how teams can get him. I think that on the trade market, it's going to be pretty low just because finding an offer that makes sense is difficult. I don't think it's impossible, to be clear. I think that there's a reason to trade for Chris Paul for certain teams. I think that there will be teams that are looking to get off more long-term money because Chris is essentially on an expiring contract right now and that could appeal to other teams. But I think that if he's waived and teams can sign him in free agency, he's kind of in one of those weird zones, and that's kind of what free agency has turned into. We talked about those exceptions so much last segment, and it might sound like a lot of blabbering, a lot of numbers for some people listening. But with that in mind, it kind of sets the range for teams because what happens in the NBA is the majority of teams are over the cap. So you can't just have – one team offer this guy $6.4 million, and then this other team offer him 13.6 or 19.8 or whatever. A guy like Gabe Vincent, for example, in Miami, we're looking at him having a heck of a payday right after the postseason that he's had. But how many teams with cap space are going to be able to pay him? And if that's the case, it really comes down to how much money he could get from Miami versus him taking the mid-level exception from a team, for example. That could very well be Phoenix. Those are the kinds of options that limited options that free agents have to work with and i think that that that's the operation that chris is under as well if he's willing to take the veterans minimum and he's willing to play anywhere in the country like willing to be across the country from his family then there will be incredible interest in him every team should call him if that's the case and i think that there are 
really nearly a dozen teams that make a whole lot of sense for him, not only in terms of the basketball fit, but his chances of winning a championship as well. I think that's how good he is and how how much uh, point guards like him are kind of a dying breed. I think there are so many teams we're looking at contending right now, like Milwaukee and Boston, for example, who don't have a natural floor general and out-and-out point guard. New Orleans is another one, and he could help those teams right away. Yeah, you know, I want to follow up with your your comment on the trade in a trade possibility. You don't think it's out of the question that there could be a trade partner for Chris Paul? Is that what you said? No, I, I don't think so because I think there are teams in, in their own situations that are complicated and they're looking to move on from their own situations. There's been no reporting on this, to be clear. This is just me looking around sure. at teams that make sense, to be clear. But Philly's got Tobias Harris on a $40 million expiring. His his situation has not gone over there well. And look, is he going to come here and be worth $40 million? No, but how many wings are you going to get better than him to play next to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and any kind of other outcome for this offseason? Like, there are certain teams in situations like that where they've either gotten expiring, they're looking to move on from, they're looking to change something up in their own way, or there are teams with long-term salaries and they want to get off of those and they're just looking at the one-year that Chris could provide. But another important part in that in that trading part, Wolf, is that they're going to send him somewhere he wants to be. Like, if he doesn't want to go to Orlando or somewhere else, they're not going to do that. He told that story on the Pivot podcast earlier this week about how Houston asked him if he wanted to go to Oklahoma City, and he said, to be honest, at this point in my career, it doesn't match up. And then Houston told him, like, okay, you've done well by us, so we won't send you there. And then they sent him there anyway. I don't think the Suns would do that to him. I think that they would – they're going to keep keep him in a good spot and keep him where he wants to be, which is winning. Talking to Kellen Olson, uh, Kellen, if if it goes that way, where you know, I guess even if he gets traded or it, whatever whatever path it, it goes down, where he doesn't end up on the Phoenix Suns next year, I know you said before one for one, they're probably not going to end up with a better point guard than Chris Paul. But are there names out there you look at as legitimate possibilities if he were to move on? I think there are names that make sense, but a part of uh, the reason why free agency would go really well for Chris is that there aren't a lot of great point guards out there this year in free agency, at least. I think the trade market and looking at p- potentially moving on from DeAndre and getting a point guard in that trade is probably the more interesting route for the Suns to take. But looking at the mid-level, that's that $12 million salary we talked about earlier. Gabe Benson is really the only part point guard that makes sense there. And then after that, you're looking more at names around 4 to $6 million, which Gambo pointed out on, on the show yesterday, that you can split up that mid-level. So it's $12 million, but you can pay 6 to this guy and 5 to that guy. Like You can divvy it up if you want to. So that's where you look at names like Dennis Schroeder. You can look at a name like Jalen Noel with Minnesota, for example. I know those aren't jumping off the page by any means. I mentioned Patrick Beverly on Burns and Gamble yesterday. I know that Suns fans are going crazy picturing Patrick Beverly in a Suns uniform right now, but a defensive-minded point guard who doesn't really need the ball and, and shouldn't really have the ball that much to be honest who can shoot spread the floor play some defense for frank vogel it makes a tiny bit of sense i guess then again he broke devin booker's nose i wouldn't want to be around the person who broke my nose in one of the most important moments of my life but i, I don't know I'm, I'm sure they would play basketball together but i'll leave it at that and i'm sure that's as far as it'll go as me just saying it randomly in early june on the wolf and luke show <laughs> that's that's as far as it yes. needs to go kellen thanks okay. for the time man thank you kellen we all know how you feel now, Wolf. Lou, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. All right, that's Kellen Olson joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Um, can you imagine if they did do that and they went with Patrick Beverly and and to replace Chris Paul after? I 
don't see that happening. No, but you know he does make a good point. I mean, it's Kellen. He made a ton of good points in there. But that type of player, not not the over the edge player that Patrick Beverly is, but that sure. type of player that's a defensive menace. I'm sure Frank Vogel. If you just gave the resume of Patrick Beverly, but didn't put his um, his transgressions on it, Frank Vogel would be like, "Yeah, I want that guy for sure." 